You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Christian. We just can't sit back and eat bonbons all day. It takes effort to be a Christian. It does. We have to continually trust, continually obey, continue to live our lives according to the God's standard, to the Lord's standard. Yes, we're saved by grace. Yes, we have all these wonderful things, but if you've been Christian for a half an hour, you know it's difficult. It's difficult to walk the Christian walk. Only one person ever walked the true Christian walk in the entire world. His name was Jesus Christ. Have you ever been in one of those lazy rivers at a swimming pool? When you're just sort of dragged along in a loop, you don't really get to go anywhere, do you? In today's message, Pastor Dave reminds us that being a Christian is a full-time job. Faith can't be half and half, and it can't be turned on and off like a light switch. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 24 as he begins his message. He advanced the kingdom, but fell short of commitment. You are A young Joash was hidden in the temple for six years as his grandmother, the wicked teen Athaliah, killed all his brothers to keep them from ascending to the throne. She was the most wicked queen. Remember, she was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. So she was grown up in that wickedness, and she tried to do away with all the people that might prevent her from ruling and reigning, and she reigned in Judah for about six years. She'd stolen the crown after her son Ahaziah was killed. But after six years of hiding, the high priest Jehoiada made a plan to bring Joash forward and retake the throne of Judah from his grandmother. He forms an alliance with some of the commanders of the army and the Levites, and they go and they actually take the king and they present him to the nation so that he would be crowned king. He lets them know that Joash is the sole heir to the throne. He is Azahiah's youngest son. He is the sole heir to the throne. And they recognize this and they put him on the throne because God wants to continue the Davidic covenant. It's the Davidic covenant that God is trying to protect here. The covenant that Adaliah tried to destroy. But she couldn't thwart God's plans. So you see, nothing can come in between God and his plan. The men who Jehoiada arms with weapons that actually belong to David guard Joash with their lives. The high priest crowns him as king. This shocks Queen Athaliah. Everyone is turned against her now. And Jehoiada orders armed men to seize her and take her out and kill her. And they do. And once that's done, the king and the people in Judah all agree that they should turn back to God. I find this to be remarkable, that you get rid of the wicked queen, you know, ding dong, the wicked queen is dead, and you get rid of her, and now all of a sudden, the people, with the king pushing them, want to return. Now, the king is only seven years old. 
but he has a heart for the Lord, and I love that. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So Jehoiada gets the priest into the temple, and he wants to restore the sacrifices. And everyone rejoices. The terrible, idol-worshiping, child-murdering queen is dead. And they have a great party and rejoicing at her demise and at Joash now becoming the true king of Israel. And that's where we pick up chapter 24. We read verses 1, 2, 3. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. So once again, we have a good king reigning in Judah. And remember, we studied at length in 2 Kings, the kings of Israel and some of the kings of Judah. None of the kings of Israel were good. They all did evil. They all worshiped Baal and they all worshiped foreign gods. Most of the kings in Judah were semi-good. There were a couple great ones, but a couple of them were semi-good. There were one or two bad ones. And here you have Joash, who now is going to start out like a house of fire. He's going to start out praising the Lord and leading people to the Lord as long as Jehoiada was priest. And we talked about that when we left last time. As long as Jehoiada was priest behind him, everything was good. Everything was good. He had wives. He had children, sons and daughters who would be heirs to the throne. So he had, everything was working for him. In verse 4, we read that he had a heart to restore the house of the Lord. He set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. It became his heart's desire. What a beautiful thing. In verse 4, now it happened after this that Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Athaliah had ransacked the temple, and she took all the dedicated things in there and took them and used them for worshiping the Baals. It was a, an abomination to God. Now, Joash wants to return everything back to the Lord God, Jehovah. He wants to take all these things that were misused and put them back in their proper places so that he can now worship the Lord as the way the Lord requires. He had a heart for the house of the Lord. And it's interesting, one of the commentators I read, and I like this, he said, why did Joash have a heart for the Lord? Can anyone tell me? It's because he spent six years in the temple. <laughs> he was raised in the temple. He was nurtured. He was strengthened in the temple. You bet I would have a heart for the Lord if I was raised like that. I mean, come on. He was raised up at the temple all around him. It must have been a beautiful thing. He knew the value of the temple. And he knew that the kingdom couldn't let their commitment to the Lord God Jehovah wane. It couldn't fall to the wayside because he spent so much time in the temple. What should that tell you? As a Christian, it takes effort to be a Christian. We just can't sit back and eat bonbons all day. It takes effort to be a Christian. It does. We have to continually trust, continually obey, continually live our lives according to the God's standards and the Lord's standards. Yes, we're saved by grace. Yes, we have all these wonderful things, but if you've been Christian for a half an hour, you know it's difficult. It's difficult to walk the Christian walk. Only one person ever walked the true Christian walk in the entire world. His name was Jesus Christ. He's the only one who could, but we can do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And we can learn. But when you spend time in the house of the Lord, week after week, year after year, you can always know that that time is not wasted. It's time well spent. And that's why we encourage people to come to church. That's why we encourage people to be here in person, fellowship one to another, listen to the word of God, worship corporately, pray corporately. All those things builds up your faith. All those things make you strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We encourage you to come and be here. You know, John, fellowship with us as we fellowship with the Lord. You know, grow strong in the Lord. This is how you grow, by learning about him, by having Bible studies, by praying, by being in a corporate setting like this. And that's what we do. We build up the body for the work of the ministry, and that's what it's all about. And that's why he's given those positions out. So, yeah, Joash has a heart for the Lord, has a heart for where he grew up, where he spent all his time. So Joash is growing up, and he is wanting to do this, but he has a problem. Joash has a problem. He doesn't have any money to repair the temple. Look at verse 5. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. Interesting. In verses 6 and 7, it appears that the Levites and the priests didn't have the same desire to repair the temple that Joash had. They were lax in their collection of the tithes and offerings as described in the law of Moses. So let's read verses 6 and 7. So the king called Jehoiada, the chief priest, and said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandments of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? For the son of Adaliah, the wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. Joash commends them to collect the monies that are necessary to repair the temple according to what Moses had done, according to Moses had done. So they do this. They set up a system to where they go out and they start to collect the money so that the temple can be restored. Let's look 8 through 14. Then the king's command that they make a chest and set outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions, and put them into the chest until all had given. So it was at the time when the chest was brought to the king's official kings officially king's official by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest officer came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day, gathering money in abundance. The king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did work for the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and all those who work in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored 
and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada. They made it from the articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving and offering spoons and vessels and gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. So they come to this and they, he says, do this. Let's go. Now, Take a minute and turn, if you will, back to Exodus chapter 35. Go back to Exodus chapter 35. Moses receives from the Lord that which he now talks to the children of Israel about. And I'm going to read verses 4 through 9. And Moses spoke to all of the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Get it? The Lord commanded, saying... Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light and and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx zones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. All who are gifted articles among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And he goes on in verse 21, he repeats, Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. And you can go on and read all about that. Moses had told them that this is how we're going to supply the needs for the tabernacle. This is how we're going to supply the needs for what God has called us to do. It was divinely inspired, and there were plans to receive free offerings from the people whose hearts were stirred. Whose hearts were stirred. And I I love verse 5 when it says, Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring the offering. Now, if you don't know about us here at Calvary Chapel, we never usually talk about money until it appears in Scripture. Well, guess what? Here it is. It's in Scripture. Here it is. So, the church needs money to operate on a regular basis. I never realized how much money the church needs to operate until I became a pastor. All right? You don't realize how much money the church has to come up with. And we know now it's possible for God to just miraculously have someone deliver money into our hands. And it has happened here at Calvary Chapel several times where, unbeknownst to me, all of a sudden money has appeared. A lot of money has appeared. A lot of cash money. You ever try to deposit a ton of cash into the bank? you got to fill up a massive amount of paperwork when you do that kind of Anyhow, but the Lord can do that and has done that. But he chooses to use the congregation in the work. He chooses to use you and me and anyone who might come to Calvary Chapel to do the work, to provide the necessary means to do the work. He chooses almost always the funds to work through willing hearts. The same thing that was said over here. Willing hearts. People who want to give willingly. He wants to give. He works this way because we need to be giving people. Why do we need to be giving people? Pardon? Better to give than receive, yeah. God is a giving God. 
Look at all God gave to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's given us everything for life and godliness. He's displayed and given us tons and tons and tons of gifts and all sorts of things, right? God is the giving God. So naturally, after a while, you think, wait a minute. He's given me so much. Your heart says, give back. And you want to give back to him. You want to give back from your heart. It has to be from your heart. I don't care if you give. God does. It's not up to me. I don't care if or what you give. That's between you and God. I could care less. But here we have a scriptural mandate to give and to show your love for God by giving back to him. You're giving back to him. He gives us salvation. He's given us everything for life and godliness. He gives us gifts. He gives us protection. He gives us strength. He gives us guidance. And he uses people to build his church. God uses people to build his church. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This whole idea is echoed in this chapter as Paul now brings forth this bit of information. And I'm only going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, reading verses 6 through 7. But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We give out of the abundance of our heart because much has been given to us. We then give back. But it's a spiritual law. It's a spiritual law. Now, if you want a lot of string beans, you don't just put one seed out there, do you? You put a lot of seeds out there, right? And you get a lot of seeds. So if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. That's the analogy. That's the metaphor. That's what he's saying here. So it's almost like, well, if I give, I get. Well, yeah, because you can't outgive God. You know, I have found in my life that as I tithe and as I give, he gives back. And he gives back abundantly. So there is, a, there is a law here. If I'm sowing wheat in a field and I want more wheat, I'm going to put more seeds out there to get more wheat. It's simple of that. It's simple. But if I go out and just sow little things at a time, I'm not going to get that. So we have this thing. And Paul brings it into a law of giving, saying that if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. This is the law of God. It's interesting. And you know what? In Malachi 3, it's almost as if God says, prove me, try me, prove me if I'm wrong. In Malachi 3, verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that will not be room enough to receive it. He's proved God. It's a basic law that works here. I can't explain how it works. Only God knows how it works. But I've seen it working in my life. I've seen it working time. And God says, prove me and see if it doesn't work. Notice it says, let each of you. So it's an individual thing. Let each of you. It's individual. Again, I don't, give, don't give. That's, <laughs> that won't affect anything that I do. Give, don't give. It doesn't matter to me. But you got, you, it's between you and God. How much? It's between you and God. I don't Just give it with a willing heart. Give it with a willing heart. Don't begrudging it. Do it purposely with a good heart. If you begrudgingly give, God takes that as an affront. 
he's not real happy when you begrudgingly give something to him. He doesn't like that. When someone gives you something and gripes about it, what do you want to do? You want to give it back. Yeah, I don't want this. Get out of here. Don't want it. Keep it. I don't want it. Don't take gifts with strings attached. There's no strings attached with God. He doesn't attach any strings to it. He doesn't attach any strings to it. I guarantee you. I love it when people come to me and go, you know, we're going to throw this out, but we want to give it to the church. No, get rid of it. Goodbye, throw it out. Use our dumpster. Get out of there. Because then it becomes our obligation to put it someplace, you know. But God doesn't want you to give him begrudgingly. He doesn't want you to give to get attitude. God says, you do it that way, keep it. He doesn't pressure you to give. Anyhow. So things were going good for Joash. Everything was going good. The money was coming in. He was able to get all the fixtures, the spoons and the forks and the knives and all the stuff he needed for the sacrifices. The temple was repaired and they could worship God again in their temple. It was a fantastic thing. What a glorious thing to think about. They could once again worship in their temple. I felt so bad for the friends of mine in Calvary Chapels up north after Hurricane Sandy hit, and they lost everything. They were wiped out. It was horrid. We even went up to a church up in the highlands. We went up there for a while and helped them out a little bit, you know, but it was horrid. I can imagine the thrill it was for them to regain the church and come back in and worship. This is what's happening here. They were so excited to be back in there. The people started drawing closer to the Lord, and everything was going great. Everything was going wonderful. Verse 15 and 16. But, this is not a but God, this is a but Jehoiada. But Jehoiada drew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good things in Israel, both towards God and God's house, his house. Jehoiada dies at a ripe old age of a buck 30. God bless him. After that, when Jehoiada was no longer Joash's counselor, when he was no longer Joash's priest, when Joash no longer was sitting under him, the decline started. Down they went. Things began to go downhill for the kingdom and the king. Joash started listening to the people instead of going to the Lord. One commentator said, Joash seems to be a fundamentally weak man. He did good when he was under the influence of Gali Jehoiada, but he did bad when he was under the influence of these leaders of Judah who led him into idolatry. So I guess I have to ask the question which I've asked from this podium many, many times. Where do you go for your counsel? When you're struggling, where do you go? Well, we know we go here. We go to God's word. The Holy Spirit in you should lead you to God's word to get your counsel. And you might go to someone and ask if they can help you. You've got to make sure you go to the right people for your counsel because some people will give you good advice. Some people will not give you good advice. Some people will give you godly advice. Some people won't. Some people will be spiritual. Some people will not. And some people won't tell you what you want to hear. I want the guys who serve with me on my leadership to be able to tell me the things I don't want to hear sometimes. I want that. Because I want to be able to check things out. I want to be able to check things out. So you want to make sure you don't go from this person and that person to this person. And all of a sudden, that's what I want to hear. That's it. That's from the Lord. Because of what you had in your mind. you got to be careful. You are. 
You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave is sharing teachings that comes out of the ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave has been in the book of 2 Chronicles. Within this book, you get to know all kinds of characters who made an impact on Israel's history, good or bad. A notable lesson that's given through this account is that God gives blessing to His people when they remain faithful. But when people allow their sin nature to take over, it's easy to see how things start to unravel and then fall apart. Just like a closely knit stitch on a blanket, the people of God were blessed and stayed united with God while they were following His ways. But when they turned to their own devices, they just became a tangled mess of yarn in a sense. Their purpose and plan became useless when they were following their own way and what they thought was best. Isn't it easy to get into this type of situation where you think you know better than God? Before you know it, you've become your own tangled and messy pile of yarn as well. How about following God's pattern and seeing the benefit of what that brings? If you'd like to hear more messages from 2 Chronicles, learning of God's faithfulness, go to assurehoperadio.com and look under the Messages tab. Well, we're about out of time for today's edition, but we encourage you to think and pray about what God's teaching you personally through this series in 2 Chronicles. Come back here next time to hear Pastor Dave share more on Assure Hope.